The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up. We gather those near and far to worship together as Charles Wesley wrote, to unite the two so long disjoined learning and vital piety. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered in the praise of God for our gathered congregation here at Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection in forms of ministry in our midst, and as the Spirit moves come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, 
that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. In the quiet and beauty and safety of this space and time, we ask, are you walking in the light? Are you? If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. As the light of another dawn, day, week, new creation breaks upon us, may we in confession as our choir sings, leave behind all that weighs us down, leaving behind this day our regret as we offer our prayer in confession. Let us pray. May we receive God's pardon. May we receive God's peace. Beloved, hear the good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from St. Paul's Epistle to the Romans, chapter 10, verses 14 through 17. But how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? And how are they to proclaim him unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all have obeyed the good news, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the word of Christ, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Please join me in saying verses from Psalm 123 with the Antiphon. look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God, until he has mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy upon us, for we have had more than enough of contempt. Our soul has had more than its fill of the scorn of those who are at ease, of the contempt of the proud. Let us stand as we are able. Let us stand as we are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and then the reading of the Gospel. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Matthew, chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. Glory, Glory to you, O Lord. For it is as if a man, going on a journey, summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward saying, Master, 
I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow, and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my, what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, and give it to the one with the ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have in abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. Be seated. I lift my voice in celebration of Jesus' parable of the talents. I heard William Sloan Coffin in his very first sermon at Riverside Church, autumn 1977, preach upon it and conclude by singing from that great pulpit, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Life is a gift which inspires continuous giving, says the Lord. Talents are meant to be shared, says the Lord. What we have and who we are, we are meant to invest in the future, says the Lord. This means risk. There is risk. Always there is risk in investment. The risk is real and should be reasonable, 
and can be managed, but it is risk still. All walks of life, including yours and mine, involve real, reasonable, manageable risk. So let us listen to the parable and apply the lesson, you and I, to our own lives and our own work. As Oliver Wendell Holmes said of a sermon, five beautiful words, I applied it to myself. This morning in particular, let us think about the servants of the word, ministers of the gospel in the Methodist tradition of Marsh Chapel and of those in that calling to whom the Lord may say, on a brighter light and on a larger shore. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. We shall set you over much, enter into the joy of your master. So. I lift my voice in honor, defense, and happy admiration of a 32-year-old Tennessee Methodist preacher who questioned from his pulpit the invasion of Iraq in 2003 with a congregation of conservatives deep in a red-blooded red state. He preached the gospel of truth about an action that was preemptive and unilateral, imperial, and reckless. He wrote, this mistaken action will haunt and shadow our beloved land for a biblical three and four generations. With a wife and two preschoolers and a massive seminary debt, he knew his sermon was more than generically risky. At worst, his collection plates might empty along with his pews. The district superintendent might get some nasty email. He might be asked to move. Late one night after putting the children to bed, his wife gently asked him whether he really needed to speak up. He thought for a while and said, well, at least if the worst comes, I can count on another appointment come June. That's the way the Methodist Church protects the freedom of the pulpit. I may not make much, but I have a kind of tenure. We will be able to feed our kids a servant of the word. I lift my voice in admiration for an ordained woman, an elder in Ohio, who had a couple coming for marriage ask, once they met her, if there were any man available instead of her. The bride said, we put down our deposit a year ago. We don't want a woman to officiate. You owe us. When the minister explained to the administrative board that she would be going to small claims court over this, pointing to the stipulation in the wedding rules that the pastor in charge will officiate, there was a ruckus. Why didn't you just get our former pastor to tie the knot? He lives right here in town. He's retired and he'd be glad to do it. So the red-faced board chair demanded. At home that night, she promised her teenage daughter, we may have to move next spring, which will be hard for both of us, but at least I will have an appointment come June. We will not starve, you and I. We are Methodists. That's the way the Methodist Church protects the freedom of the pulpit. I may not make much money, but I will have a job somewhere. We're Methodists. We believe in the connectional, itinerant system to protect the freedom of the pulpit. A servant of the word. I lift my voice in honor of a New York district superintendent who questioned his bishop. I mean, he questioned his bishop. Later, he told his son how he dreaded sitting down across the table from his fellow elder, the resident bishop, and saying what he knew in his conscience he had to say. Bishop, I know that you are having an extramarital affair. And while it is true that several of your colleagues have done the same over the years in this jurisdiction and have not looked back or been defrocked, I am not going to be still about it. You need to resign today. The son asked, what will happen to us? 
His dad said, I don't know, but I do know I will at least have a job in June. You can still count on going to Ohio Wesleyan next year. I may not make as much money as I could have in another denomination, probably only a third as much, but I am proud to be a Methodist where we protect our preachers from predatory and mendacious bishops. Where we protect our preachers from predatory and mendacious bishops, he repeated. Methodists protect the freedom of the pulpit with the guaranteed appointment. Ernest Fremont Tittle's great Evanston congregation in their landmark statement on such freedom and their defense of him gave us a shining example a servant of the word. I lift my voice in deep love and regard for an older Florida preacher, shepherded to his last assignment at age 64. The staff parish committee chair asked the superintendent, don't you have somebody younger, someone with kids in school, someone with a Dodge Caravan, and a dog, and an eagerness to please, and a dislike of conflict, someone a little bit more obsequious. A year later, at age 65, the minister had to get up in the pulpit and point out that the congregation's laziness and stinginess, shallowness and narrowness, meanness and arrogance were not working excessively well in evangelistic terms. He loved the younger people in the town along the lake nearby, and the handful of good, loving, retired school teachers whose tithes kept the church open. But in his heart, he had no choice, and the district superintendent had said when he was sent there, look, speak lovingly, but speak truthfully. These folks have been coddled, dodged, and lied to for years. I want them to hear about salvation, but I want them to hear about sin, too. And if things get bloody, I'll have a church for you in June. After all, we're Methodists. We stand for the freedom of the pulpit. We watch over one another in love, in connection, and in itinerancy. We would not expect you to go anywhere you are sent without guaranteeing you a job somewhere. That would be cruel. That would be cruel to require you to move annually at the direction of a bishop on a very modest salary and not to commit to providing you some job, somewhere, somehow. A servant of the word. I lift my voice in concern for a 29-year-old newly minted United Methodist elder who gave a strong sermon in West Virginia in support of the full humanity of gay people. He did not sleep a wink the night before. He could feel the deep disappointment and anger in the eyes of the women and men, few enough already in number, with whom he would worship and for whom he would preach in the morning. He mused, for all the visitation and counseling, all the weddings and funerals, all, all the long days and light nights, all the genuine friendship and pastoral care, they're not going to forgive me this. It means they would have to rethink their dysfunctional relationships to family and to the Bible. But silence, avoidance, and dishonesty are not helping them either, as far as I can see. Ours is a gospel of truth. For it to be gospel, it has to be true. Gay people are people, not fractions of people. I know my voice may be muted, but it will not be silenced. I will be gentle, brief, humble, and kind. I will visit from home to home later to listen in love, but I will preach. I am a traveling elder, an itinerant minister, a Methodist preacher. My college teacher had tenure and could teach the truth as he saw it. And I have an annual appointment to preach as fully and faithfully as I can. And I will. I can 
I will, I promise, so help me, God. I agree to go and work where I am sent, and the church promises a pulpit however modest and a salary however meager. I will be able to provide for my family. I'm proud of our connection, our history, our birthright, our defense of freedom. A servant of the word. I lift my voice in praise for a quiet, gentle, middle-aged northern preacher who disagreed in love with her resident bishop. What he was quoted as saying in our city paper after conference this last summer is just not right, just not true. I have to tell him so. I read a sermon once by the Reverend Margie Mason titled The Truth of Our Lives that gave me courage. I will do so personally, with respect, with grace, with humility, and in genuine love. But I have a pastoral responsibility, too. In one paragraph quotation, he did a decade's worth of damage to our evangelism here in our struggling Northern Conference by what he was quoted as saying. People will not darken the doors of churches whose leaders say such things. Bishops in our church are general superintendents, servants of the servants of God, servants of the servants of the word. They are consecrated, not ordained. They are elders like the rest of us. Some of them hear so often what great people they are that they start to believe it. I know a few who can strut sitting down. <laughs> he may not like my voice or my view, but he will have to appoint me, even if it is to a tiny church in the North Country. I will still be able to buy Rice Krispies and cat food come June. I love my church, and I am proud to be a Methodist preacher. Only one thing would eject me from my cradle denomination, the trashing and elimination of the security of appointment, a servant of the word. In the last sermon that I heard my father give in Sherrill, New York, 2008, he quoted the following passage from Timothy Tyson's memoir, Blood Done Sign My Name. If you ever have any doubt as to the birthright, precious worth of the freedom of the pulpit, protected in our denomination by the security of appointment, now under attack by, of all people, the bishops whose job it is to serve these very servants of the word, buy and read this book. Tyson, an historian, remembers growing up under the leaky roofs of many North Carolina Methodist parsonages in the 1950s and 1960s. His father, an itinerant minister, a traveling elder, a servant of the word, was very effective and beloved from church to church until he began, once the trust was established, to preach about race and race relations, the full humanity of all people, white, black, together, all. To his white congregations, this white man said something like, people, all people belong to one another. And every three years or so, the district superintendent would be called and would call, and the bishop would send a letter and reappoint the family to another circuit, three, four, five churches on the road again. Once, because he invited Dr. Samuel Proctor, a fine African-American preacher and then president of North Carolina A&T, into his pulpit. Once, because he organized an interracial memorial service following the death of Martin King. Once, because he, pre he preached a particular sermon on racial equality. Once, because with his brother, the author's uncle, he went to court and sat on the wrong side of the courtroom. 
He said to the judge, if you can tell me where to sit, you can tell me what to think and what to say, and I don't believe you have that authority. His parishioners told him he was no longer wel welcome in any of the six pulpits on his circuit, but he reminded them that he didn't stand in those pulpits at their invitation, but by the calling of the Lord and the appointment of the bishop. His wife was eight months pregnant. People crossed the street to avoid him. Threatening phone calls came, after which he sent his wife and kids to live with his mother. And then this, the passage that my dad cited in 2008. Lying in bed alone at the parsonage a few nights later, he heard a knock at his back door. He thought it might be the Klan coming to make good on their threat but saw what appeared to be a white woman standing near the back porch. It was too dark to tell who it was, and the figure had moved back away from the house after knocking. He opened the door and reached for the light switch. Please, please don't turn on the light, a female voice stammered. I just, I just wanted you to know how proud I am that you are my preacher. I, I just wanted you to know that. And then she hurried away into the darkness, a servant of the word. I lift my voice this morning to echo the ancient wisdom of the Apostle Paul, in whose words we again receive the call to preach. Are you so called? The risk of ministry, is this adventure yours? The gospel investment in history and mystery, is this your path? How are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? Faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the word of Christ. Amen.
We now come to the time in our service when we turn our hearts and minds to prayer and lift up our lives and ourselves to God. Please assume an attitude and posture of prayer by either remaining seated, standing, kneeling, or coming to the communion rail as we sing together our call to prayer. Lead me, Lord. Heavenly Lord, we stand before you this morning in prayer. We ask for humbleness of mind, for patience in our listening, and for confidence in our responding. We pray for those around the world caught in a tumult of earthquake, wind, or fire. We ask that they all may hear your still, small voice and find peace, security, and home restored. We lift up our neighbors near and far who struggle for freedom, dignity, and justice. May they have the strength to persist in the face of opposition, and may goodness be their rallying call. We pray for our local and national governments that they manifest your goodness and be guided in justice and service to all. May our political processes serve to bring out the highest sense of personhood and humanity and may we not find satisfaction in the tearing down of others. We pray for those here in our community, for those struggling with hunger and homelessness. May they find comfort and satisfaction. For those students marching steadily through studies, may they continue to stretch and grow and find inspiration in their work. Most of all, Lord, we ask that we may serve you better May we express your love more fully and share it more freely. May we bear the good news. May we have the wisdom and courage to improve our talents. May we walk humbly with you, Lord. And now, let us pray together the prayer that Christ taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever.
The peace of the Lord be always with you. We greet you once again here in the nave of Marsh Chapel and would invite you to take a moment to put your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew and to pass the red book along so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the week. We would encourage those who would like to support the work of Refugee Immigration Ministry to take and use the mite boxes found on the table in the narthex following the service. We now pause our regularly scheduled programming for an educational announcement. Many of you are probably wondering what in the world a mite box is. Uh, a mite box is a small collection box historically and biblically used for, the co for collections for widows and orphans. And uh, we uh, are continuing in that tradition in our support of refugee immigration ministries. Now back to our regularly scheduled programming. In the absence of our beloved music director, Dr. Scott Allen Jarrett, I find I am left to my own devices in making the music announcements this week. We would note that on Friday evening at 7.30 p.m. here in the nave of Marsh Chapel, the Inner Strength Gospel Choir will be offering their fall concert. We hope that you can attend. And the following evening, Saturday, November 19th at 8 p.m., our ensemble in residence, Lorelei, under the direction of Beth Willer, will be per uh, performing their concert, Lumen di Lumine. And we hope you might be here for that as well. We do hope you will keep an eye to the Marsh Chapel website for upcoming services and activities along with the opportunity for online giving. Keep a particular eye this week as a new version of the Marsh Chapel website will be going live shortly. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
Almighty God, you challenge us to risk and to invest. May we in these gifts be put to your service through the grace of the Spirit. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The sun shall warm and bright on you, darkest night a star shine through, your dullest morn a radiance brew, and when dusk comes, God's hand to you, the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be and abide with each one of us now and forever. Amen. <laughs>